Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Double Move Sports. As always, I'm Steph, and I'm here with my best friend, Alex. What a time to be alive. Welcome in, everyone. Welcome in, everyone. We have a fantastic show prepared for you all. The energy before we hit record here was was phenomenal. You know, the weeks are winding down. There's only a few more weeks left of fantasy. We're trying to pack as much value as we can here for you guys. I'm so pumped up for everything we have today. Unfortunately, I'm out of my playoffs in all my fantasy leagues. We do have the charity league, though, which, you know, we got a nice little win in that one. Hopefully we can keep that rolling. Shout out to Shriners Children's Hospital. I've been loving uh, supporting that and, and playing along in fantasy with some of the other guys in the community. Alex, how was your fantasy week? It was great. Shriners, like you mentioned, we were actually the highest scoring team in the league. So we're moving on to the semifinals. We were carried by the tight end stack of Zach Ertz and George Kittle. (laughs) Um, And then Joe Mixon, your start of the week, had a great game. Julian Edelman and Todd Gurley also had great games. So uh, really excited for our squad there. And and we'll see if we can uh, keep the noise going this week and head towards the final. But my football weekend was great. It, it was fun to sit back and watch some of these games. It's interesting this time of year to see the questions on Twitter and then the performances on the field with, with guys that you never would have brought up in draft season. I think I had more questions about like Zach Paschal and Darius Slayton last week than anybody else, and they're guys that are just not even close to being on the radar back in August or September when drafts were. So it's been really fun um, to kind of see this season play out, and things are getting exciting. It was a, certainly a, a heck of a week. I had an absolute blast watching the games and answering your all's questions. Remember to follow us at Double Move Sport. Ask us your start sick questions, anything else. If you send us screenshots of your roster, we'll be happy to check that out and make any recommendations that we see. But for this week, one of the sad things and one of the things that's really going to change the landscape of fantasy is the amount of injuries. I feel like this was the injury week. We had Mike Evans exit the game. We had Devontae Parker exit the game. I believe he's still in concussion protocol. We had Mark Andrews get hurt. Rashad Penny blew out his knee. Darius Geis is out. Uh, DJ Chark is hurt. Alshon Jeffrey left the game. Patrick Mahomes' hand is beat up. That magical hand. And uh, Josh Allen was was out, missed some time as well. Unfortunately, like half of those guys were in my <laughs> lineups. Uh, but Alex, what do you take away from this? This is just a, an unfortunate week. Everything kind of aligned. Yeah, it's a really unfortunate week. And if you were able to withstand any of those injuries um, and you're still standing, and then it's time to adjust in your fantasy football playoffs. So that's why we're here today. I mean, your list was so extensive. I don't know if we've had a list that long all season. And there's also Calvin Ridley who went out and he's out for season. Lamar Jackson was banged up, but it looks like he's going to be fine for Thursday's game. But there are are teams out there that really need some deep deep pickups off the waiver wire. They need some deep shots of the week. Fortunately, last week, Steph and I were able to come through on our deep shots. Steph called Darius Slayton. I think I gave him some crap for that before last week's episode, but he ro- he rode with it anyway. And look at the game Darius Slayton had on Monday Night Football. I had Zach Pascal as one of mine, so hopefully we can bring some more heat for you um, here this week. Uh, but yeah, it, it's time to adjust and to make some, some last-minute bold moves to get you to the final. And before we get into... Some of the segments here, I just want to give a quick shout out to a couple guys, uh, Riley Hayes and Jake Davis, good friends of the show, uh, both in the playoffs this week. Good luck to both of you all. Uh, They've been hitting us up for questions um, and support since we started this thing. So shout out to those guys. Uh, Another two guys on on Twitter I want to give a shout out to, Brandon Higa and uh, EAP6677. Thank you all so much for your questions, your support. We really appreciate it. Uh, Last thing I'll say here before we get into the takes, and they're going to be spicy guys, believe me. I'm going to plug our Fantasy Film Room episode. I just dropped one on Cortland Sutton. Uh, I believe on Monday night is one that came out. Uh, go check that out. Talks about some of his implications, and, and he'll be an interesting guy for this week. Uh, and Alex, from what I understand, we had one quick mailbag question you wanted to, to talk about. We do, yeah. This one comes in from Frankie Madrano on Twitter. He's got a QB question. Are, are we buying Jimmy Garoppolo this week against the Atlanta Falcons? Uh, his other options are Carson Wentz and Kyler Murray. So, so Steph, you tell me, these three guys, what do you think? Jimmy G, Carson Wentz, or Kyler Murray? Yeah, certainly the, the easiest of those matchups, I think, is Carson Wentz. But we've seen him struggle a little bit without weapons. Um, I don't know the injury updates on Aguilar and Jeffrey. Uh, if they're in the game, I think you plug in Wentz, no question. If he needs upside there, I actually like Kyler more. I, I like both options more than I, I do Jimmy G. 
Yeah, I almost agree with you. I have Kyler as my number one option here. He's still QB7 on the year. He's got a pretty high baseline due to his rushing ability, and they play Cleveland this week. So I think there's going to be plenty of opportunity for Kyler this week. I actually like Jimmy Garoppolo second here. Wentz just looked so rough on Monday night without some of those weapons. I know they were able to pull it out, but Alshon's out for season. And Aguilar, I'm really not sure if he's going to play or not. So just with no one to throw the ball to, I'd try to stay away from Wentz, even in a pretty good matchup against Washington. So uh, for me, it's it's uh, Kyler Murray, Jimmy G, Carson Wentz in that order. And from Steph, it sounds like it's um, Kyler, Wentz, and then Jimmy G. Yeah, actually, I didn't know um, Jeffrey was out for the season. That does change a lot for me. Uh, and Aguilar's still banked up. <laughs> when your top options are Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard in the passing game, that, that is a cause for some concern. So, yeah, I actually agree with Alex on this one. I'll take his picks. Uh, throw in Kyler, and, and if you can't stomach that with some of the down games that he's had, Jimmy G, I think, is fine. I just don't know how much they're going to need him uh, against Atlanta. But with all that said, let's hop into it here. Bounce back fantasy players of the week. What we're going to do is go through just a number of players, a couple running backs, a couple wide receivers, and a few tight ends, and just go over some guys that you know, put up stinkers this week, just, just really didn't come through for you, which is rough in you know the first game of the fantasy playoffs. Uh, but let's look at their, their outlook in week 15 and say, hey, are these guys going to bounce back? Um, can we start them with confidence? And the first one I want to talk about here, burned a lot of people, was Alvin Kamara against the 49ers on Sunday. He was 13 for 25 on the ground, 4 for 18 through the air. There's only 6.3 fantasy points in PPR leagues. Alex, what, what do we do with Alvin Kamara? you still got to start Super Camario each week. I know this one was tough, but if you were able to survive, this is a guy who, I mean, in the playoffs, we always say start your studs. This is a guy who's a stud. He still had um, 17 touches in this game, just didn't really produce very much. He's running back nine on the season in terms of points per game. So a guy who's a top 10 running back and, and catches as many passes as Kamara, I just don't know who you're going to pivot to um, if you're thinking about benching him. He's actually averaging over six receptions a game. So in PPR formats, when you look at six catches a game at the running back position, even if you're not productive with those, that's six points on your baseline right there. I know this week was tough, um, but he's got the third most receptions in the league amongst running backs. The only, the only guys he's behind is Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler, and Kamara's played two less games than those guys. So I know the touchdown rate is low. He's only got two on the season. But I see some positive regression, uh, regression coming for Alvin Kamara. He's an incredible runner, elusive player. He's known for his great balance. I think any week now we're going to see a Kamara bounce-back game, and it's going to be an absolute blow-up. So uh, I just can't imagine pivoting off of him to anyone um, else that that has a similar upside Kamara is a top running back and you should keep him in your lineups yeah Kamara plays Indianapolis they're the seventh ranked defense against running backs and that's on Monday Night Football we'll talk a little bit more about that Niners Saints game later on in the show let's talk about another guy here who really burned fantasy owners if they even started him to me this guy is completely droppable it's Sony Michelle now the mindset may change a little bit with the matchup against Cincinnati coming up in week 15 Last week, he was four for eight on the ground and had one reception for one yard. I mean, that's less than two fantasy points. Is this guy droppable, or do you like this Cincinnati matchup enough to, to plug him in one more time? If I'm being honest with you, I, I think I would drop him just to keep me from the temptation of starting him this week. <laughs> he's had single-digit fantasy points in six straight games. He's running back 38 on the season, and he's splitting work with three other guys in New England. Last week against Kansas City, which was also supposedly a good matchup, James White had 11 touches, Burkhead had seven, Michelle only had six, and Brandon Bolden had one. The good matchup's a trap. I, I, I mean, I would take, honestly, Adrian Peterson over Sony Michelle this week. I'm staying away from Sony. He's fine to drop. Drop him and hope your opponent picks him up and starts him because he's probably going to go for five points. Another one we need to talk about that's in a little complicated backfield is Tevin Coleman. He had essentially, I mean, he essentially put up a goose egg. He had 0.6 fantasy points. What do we do with Tevin Coleman? And, and what does that imply for Matt Breida and Raheem Mostert, who are in that backfield as well? San Francisco's running game is so good that you know these running backs as a whole are going to put up a really productive game. You just don't really know where it's going to come from. Coleman really showed some promise earlier in the season. Over his last two games, he's got eight carries for 12 yards. Oof. So 
I mean, just looking at the snap count last week, Mostert had 60%, Burita had 18%, and Coleman had 16%. The matchup isn't great. It's a middle-of-the-pack Atlanta defense who's 14th against running backs. I mean, there's always a shot that, that Coleman's going to be the guy, but the way things are trending and then just the uncertainty, I, I think you got to stay away from Tevin. I would not put him in there. I would not put my fantasy playoffs hopes in the hands of Tevin Coleman this week. Another one we need to talk about here who's also splitting carries and a guy that some folks had confidence in because of some of the injuries. It's LaShawn McCoy. This week he plays a tough Denver defense. He was 11 for 39 and one reception for four yards last week. You know, what's the situation with with LaShawn McCoy? He's another guy you got to stay away from, unfortunately. Even with 11 carries, he wasn't able to produce. Really tough matchup against Denver, who's 12th against running backs. Damian Williams could be back. McCoy isn't quite the same McCoy that that was in Buffalo or or Shady back in Philly um, back in the day. So I think you got to stay away. The the Kansas City Chiefs backfield is just too difficult to predict at this point. It's really uncertain what's going to happen there. So um, if possible, pivot away from LaShawn McCoy. One of the reasons we liked Shady was for his receiving work. And he really hasn't gotten any of it for the Chiefs. We saw Darwin Thompson come in and get four receptions for 36 yards. So, yeah, it certainly hurts a lot of Shady there. Shady carries the ball like a loaf of bread. So anyone can just come up and knock that thing right out. Um, I've never seen anyone looser as a ball carrier. He's had fumbling issues. So who knows that he doesn't go out and fumble on the first drive and ride the bench for the rest of the game. So there's always that risk with Shady. Um, so, so yeah, like you said, definitely pivot away. Yeah, when you see him running, you get a anxiety attack the way he holds the ball. <laughs> Let's move over to wide receivers here. Let's talk about a guy that burned a lot of fantasy owners, and we saw a ton of questions about him on Saturday night and Sunday morning uh, prior to Week 14 kickoff. It was Tyler Lockett for the Seattle Seahawks. He only had four receptions for four to three yards, so that's 8.3 fantasy points. He didn't absolutely crush you like some of the running backs did, but he's against Carolina in Week 15, a very soft Carolina defense. Would you throw him in there again? Yeah, I'd be willing to throw Lockett out there. He at least had a decent game last week I, I mean I guess it's decent four catches for 43 yards on six targets isn't great but it's the best we've seen since he came uh, back from that shin injury so with the lock with the upside we've seen from Lockett this season unless you've got some other really good options it, it's kind of hard to pivot away from him it's a great matchup here I wouldn't be surprised if this is where um, he breaks out again but I definitely understand the hesitation with Lockett but I mean I'm willing to start him this week I think this is the week that he bounces back well, another one here, and I'd like to pose this question. The one we're going to talk about is Cortland Sutton, who plays Kansas City coming up. Who would you rather start this week, Cortland Sutton at Kansas City or Tyler Lockett at the Panthers? I'd start Tyler Lockett. I think that's just a better offense. I think Lockett has actually a higher ceiling. I think his his floor is a bit lower, but um, I'd go for the upside and the talent of Lockett and a better offense in the playoffs. Would you still start Sutton, though? I know we're going to get a lot of flex questions about him coming up. I would definitely be willing to flex Sutton. He's proved that he's been fairly reliable, even with, with different quarterbacks. Drew Locke looked great last week. Unfortunately, a lot of that didn't um, turn into production for Cortland Sutton, but he's still got seven targets. Denver's probably going to need to throw more, being against Kansas City. Um, Kansas City, surprisingly, is second against wide receivers in fantasy. But but Sutton's the option one, two, and three in Denver. So I think he'll have a fine game. He should see eight to ten targets, and I think he's a safe flex play. Yeah, and if Noah Fant, who's showed up questionable on the, the practice report today, if he's out, I think Sutton gets an even higher uptick in that offense. I actually love Sutton this week. And looking at the the film when I was doing that breakdown, one of the big standout things to me is that they look for Sutton on the goal line every single time. He's a red zone threat. I love Cortland Sutton this week. Uh, I think he could could blow up for you know seven plus receptions and two touchdowns. So I'll throw that out there. I know it's a bit of a hot take, but I do like Sutton a lot. And I do think Drew Locke could be the future for them. Two more wide receivers that we need to talk about here. John Brown for the Buffalo Bills. He had only three receptions for 26 yards, and this week he goes into Pittsburgh. Do you feel any confidence starting him there on, on Sunday Night Football? Absolutely not. This is going to be a old-school Sunday Night Football style of game. It's going to be a defensive battle. The over-under is only 36.5 points, which is brutally low. Um, Pittsburgh is 13th against wide receivers. That defense has been great. Their offense isn't necessarily anything great either. So I don't expect John Brown to get that much volume. He's only seeing five targets a game over his past three. 
It's really a must-win game for both of these teams. So it's going to be competitive, but just the volume's not quite there, and it's a really tough matchup and what's probably going to be a low-scoring game. I'm trying to stay away from John Brown this week. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, the NFL actually flexed that game into the Sunday night football spot, uh, which is kind of confusing because it's going to be a pretty grimy and gritty game, kind of like that uh, Super Bowl last year. Hopefully it's not that dry, but definitely going to be a, a you know one that's fought in the trenches, not so much through the air and, and high-flying offenses. One more wide receiver we need to talk about, and it's the one that everybody's talking about. When are they not? It's Odell Beckham. He's at Arizona this week. That's a pretty nice matchup but he had two receptions for 39 yards uh, in week 14 when the Browns played, um, who did they play? Cincinnati, which was also a nice matchup. So can we start Odell this week against Arizona? You can flex Odell. (laughs) It doesn't feel good because he's burned you time and time again. We're just kind of waiting for Odell to have a blow-up game and stay consistent, and it's just not happening. I think This could actually be his one and only season in Cleveland, but that remains to be seen. But you can flex him. Arizona's 31st against wide receivers. They're awful, quite frankly, against every position. Uh, This should be an up-tempo game. Odell is still seeing over eight targets a game on average this year, so it's honestly not like he's just not being looked at by Baker. He's seeing targets. It's just not really... Um, There's just not really any chemistry between Baker and Odell right now. I think he's fine to roll out. He's a guy who can take any any, uh, quick slant to the house. So you can flex him this week and hope that he he pops for a touchdown. Uh, Odell's always going to have that upside, but I don't blame you if you're keeping him on your bench. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the boat of keeping him on the bench. And that actually blew my mind when you said that target uh, average there. I can't believe that's eight, rece- or eight targets a game is his average. That seems really, really high compared to the amount of receptions that we see in the box score every week. But man, I, yeah, I think uh, Odell's out of there. It's kind of funny as the Browns fans, I'm one of them. We've all kind of switched our mentality from, you know, so excited, love that Odell's on the team. Now we're like, get him out of here, man. Uh, two tight ends we need to talk about. Austin Hooper. This week he's at San Francisco. He was two receptions for 32 yards last week. Can we throw him in there against the number one defense against the tight end? I think you can. Uh, he only played 65% of snaps last week in his first game back from injury. I think that goes up this week. He only had two catches for 32 yards last week, but it was on six targets. Ridley is now out for the season. I know San Francisco is really good against the tight end position, but the volume's going to be there for Hooper. He, he's been phenomenal this season when he's played. Due to lack of better options at the tight end spot, I'd roll out Austin Hooper. And quick correction on that. I did say they were the first against tight ends. They're actually the fifth, but nonetheless, still a tough matchup. And I agree with you there. Last one we need to talk about, and this is one that I threw the double move sports stamp of approval on this guy as an honorable mention in our starts of the week last week, because I loved the matchup and the opportunity that he had being the the, main tight end in Indianapolis. What about Jack Doyle? Can we plug him in? Do you feel confident him being a spot start this week? Let me look up the matchup. Oh, yeah, at New Orleans. So Monday Night Football, I, I, I feel like they're going to need Jack Doyle in this game. This year, it's all in terms of tight end. It's been about sticking with a guy even in those down weeks. I actually do like Jack Doyle still a lot this week, even though he put up a stinker against Tampa Bay. Alex, what do you think? Yeah, you start Doyle this week. Only two catches for 27 yards on six targets last week against the Bucks. As a Colts fan, I watched that game. He really had some other opportunities uh, for some additional catches, just wasn't able to come down with it. I, I don't know. I mean, at the tight end spot, just like we said about Austin Hooper, you probably have a lack of better options. They're going to have to throw in this game. They're really down to Pascal and Doyle as their main options um, through the air. So I think you just have to stick with the plan, stick with the equation, which is kind of volume equals a start in fantasy football at the tight end spot. And there's probably not a lot of other guys that uh, have the target share coming their way and then also the touchdown upside. So Stick to the plan. If you if you started Doyle last week, roll him out again this week and, and hope for some more points to come his way. Now time to move on to one of our favorite segments, the flagship segment of Double Move Sports, and it's our start of the week. Let's go. You guys know the drill. We're going to go quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. And these are the guys that aren't our sleepers, um, but they're also not our top end guys. You know, it's not a hot take for me to say, start Ezekiel Elliott of course you're going to plug him into your lineup but these are for the players that are more on the edge maybe they have a tough matchup or they had a rough outing last week we want to give our stamp of approval that they are confident starts regardless of whatever they may be facing in week 15 
We'll start with quarterback. Alex, give me your week 15 quarterback start of the week. I said I wasn't going to do it. Oh, no. I said I wasn't going to do it. But (laughs) I'm going back to Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Tennessee Titans as my start of the week. We've gone back to the well a few times now. The first time I picked Derek Carr, it was great. Went back to the well with him. Not so great. You did it with Baker. Your first time was great. Went to him two weeks in a row. Not so great. So now I'm trying it for a third time with Ryan Tannehill. He's going against Houston this week. They're 27th against the quarterback, giving up 21 points per game. Tannehill, it was awesome on on Twitter and some of our social media to, to hear from some of our followers that Tannehill was able to lead them to a playoff victory. If he did it last week, keep him in your lineup this week. I just mentioned the matchup. Uh, Tannehill has started seven games this year. He's been a top 10 quarterback five of those seven games. Uh, 22 points per game at the quarterback position in those seven starts in fantasy. And only Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson average more points per game at quarterback. He's, well, Steph, I'll have you guess. Who do you think is number, I just gave it away. Who do you think is number one in the NFL in passer rating? Oh, gosh. I mean, I know Lamar Jackson was up there early on. Is it Tannehill now? It's Ryan Tannehill. Wow. He's first in the NFL in passer rating. If the season ended today, he would have the fourth highest passer rating in NFL history for a full season. <laughs> He's second in completion percentage, and this game against Houston has a 50-point over-under, which is the highest of the week. I can't imagine a scenario where Ryan Tannehill's not a QB1 this week. I could not resist, but to keep him as my start of the week – Keep rolling out Tana Thrill, and I think he's going to get a lot of people to their championship this week. You are now even more ingrained in the Tanny family. Keep <laughs> it rolling, Alex. I love you going back to the well in the face of, of you know, all the times that we've got it wrong going back to the well. I, I love the confidence here, and and you know what more can be said about Ryan Tannehill? He's been great, and you know the Dolphins need a quarterback, so maybe he should go there. Um, <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> so my quarterback start of the week is the mustached gunslinger out of Jacksonville. That's right. It's Goat Gardner Minshew who plays on the road against Oakland in Week 15. Oakland's 31st against quarterbacks. He just got lit up by Alex's previous start of the week, Ryan Tannehill. And even with DJ Chark potentially out of the game with injury, I do like Minshew a lot in this matchup. As a starter, Minshew averages over 15 fantasy points per game. Oakland's looked rough as of late on both sides of the ball, so I expect the Jags to rely on Minshew to air it out. And I think the Jags front office is really using this back half of the season as a tryout for Minshew. You know, deciding between putting their team in the hands of Nick Foles or Gardner Minshew, I don't know. The ceiling's high for Gardner. Minshew's ground game gives him a nice floor. Amongst all quarterbacks, only Lamar Jackson has more scrambles on the season and Minshew is one of only five quarterbacks in the NFL with over 200 rushing yards. If you need a streamer this week or a cheap DFS play, I like Minshew a lot in this matchup on Sunday, and I expect him to have a high rushing floor here, so plug him in if you're desperate, if you need a stream. I I like Minshew a a lot more than a lot of other options that are out there. He's my start of the week. Lock him in. I love that pick. It's funny. I actually had Minshew. We were talking earlier today I had Minshew as a deep shot this week because he's only 14% owned and then you came up guns a blazing with him as your start of the week so I've got some uh, some notes pulled on Minshew as well you mentioned the rushing he's got at least 30 rushing yards in five out of 10 games this season that he started um, 15 touchdowns only five interceptions for Gardner Minshew this year in Oakland is 31st against quarterbacks 21.7 points per game to the position I love that pick I think uh, he's a real sleeper and he's probably on your waiver wire and if you're struggling or have a bad matchup at quarterback go pick up Minshew I think that's a great great call and I think all five of those interceptions came in that London game where he absolutely blew it (laughs) (laughs) probably yes so let's move over to running back Alex I'll, I'll pass it off to you first give me your running back start of the week for week 15 Yeah, my running back, it was a little bit tougher for me this week. I know we said we're not going to be super obvious with our picks. This one is a guy who you probably have locked in, but it's Chris Carson for the Seattle Seahawks. The reason I bring up Carson is because I really think he is going to be a top five running back this week. He's going to go for over 20 points in PPR formats. He is going to be a weak winner and get a lot of people to their championship. He's only had 13 fantasy points per game since the bye, which for a running back is still solid. That's kind of RB2 level, but he's RB10 on the year. So he has kind of tapered off since their bye week uh, four weeks ago. But the Seahawks play Carolina this week, who is 31st against running backs, 
giving up 30 points per game to the position. And Rashad Penny just went down for Seattle. So if you look at giving up 30 points per game against running backs for the Panthers' defense, I think Chris Carson is in line to get most of those points this week. I think he's going to see a massive workload. Rashad Penny was seeing 16 touches a game since the bye week. So even if half of those touches pivot to Carson and then maybe half of them pivot uh, to another guy that they bring in or another guy that's sitting behind them on the depth chart, I think just the matchup and the workload for Carson is going to be incredible this week. I think Carson, I mean, I've I've talked him up enough. He was a guy who was really hyped up before the season. A lot of people had questions on what that split was going to look like between Carson and Penny. With the fumbling issues and Penny's good play lately, people were starting to wonder, uh, you know, is Carson a guy who's locked in every week? Absolutely. Keep him in your lineup uh, and, and enjoy as he, he cruises to a, a really solid game this week. Yeah, behind Penny on the depth chart is CJ Procise. So you're not too scared of him. I love Carson this week. Definitely lock him in. He's like an anchor on my DFS lineups for this week. My running back start of the week, it's a gross pick. Like you said, this was a tough one. And so I had to dig a little bit deeper here, go with a guy that might be a little bit risky. It's Raheem Mostert from the 49ers. Last week against a tough New Orleans defense, Mostert had 10 for 69 yards and a touchdown on the ground and two receptions for 40 yards and a touchdown through the air. It's not a sexy pick, but Mostert is a hot hand behind that fantastic 49ers O-line. I was reviewing some of the touches from the last two weeks, and every time Mostert gets the ball, there's like an easy five to eight yards of space for him to get upfield. This week, Mostert plays Atlanta, where the 49ers shouldn't need to rely on the passing game, certainly not as much as they did against New Orleans. Again, a game we're going to talk about later on in the show. I'm not calling for a repeat performance from Mostert, but he's been getting more touches and he's been super effective. He's top five in yards per attempt on the year. And if you played him last week, he helped you get close to a fantasy championship. Every year we see these guys who just break out late in the year and win people titles. You know, for me, Mostert is a must start in your flex or RB2 spot. I got to be honest with you, Steph. I mean, good pun there at the end, but I, <laughs> I don't feel good about Mostert this week. I I just hesitate to chase those points. I think like you said, I mean like you said just now and like we referred to earlier when we were talking about Tevin Coleman, I have no doubt that San Francisco is going to have a great game on the ground in this one. I just don't know how it's going to be split up between those three guys. I think there is a very realistic possibility that it is Mostert and that he is a must start, but I just don't really know if I want to roll the dice. If I'm gambling on one of the three, it's Mostert at this point. If I have another option who I think is is serviceable and is that RB2 level, I would lean that way. But we'll see. I've given you some, uh, some, some crap on some of your picks before, and they've really, for the most part, turned out well. So uh, if you've got Mostert, I have no problem starting them. But in my opinion, um, I would like to pivot to a more, a more solid, reliable option. And I totally get that, and I, I think it could happen. You know, the range of outcomes for Mostert is certainly much more than you know Chris Carson, for example. Mostert had a monster game last week and only had ten touches on the ground. Like we, we're seeing how effective he can be. It goes back to some of that efficiency, being top five in the league on yards per attempt. I think he keeps it going. He doesn't need a ton to be effective and a, be a startable fantasy asset. Uh, by no means am I saying, you know, hey, plug him in for 25. But yeah, I think 10 to 20 is certainly in his wheelhouse uh, in a nice matchup, middle of the road defense in Atlanta. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a very fair point. So moving on to the receiver position, I'll go ahead and kick us off. My receiver start of the week is D.D. Westbrook. So we got Minshew at quarterback and D.D. at receiver now as part of our start of the week segment. D.D. is going against Oakland, who is 20th against wide receivers this year. DJ Chark is questionable for this game. He's in a walking boot. I don't think he's going to play. Definitely keep an eye out. If if Chark plays, I think we're um, tampering expectations for DD a bit, but I think he should still be a fine play. If Chark is out, that's when I really, really have a lot of confidence in DD. He he has five catches a game and seven and a half targets a game since their bye week. So that's a four-game sample size. So five catches a game is a really solid baseline in PPR formats. Um, he, he has a lower upside than a lot of these other guys. 
uh, out there just because he, he isn't really known for his yards. He isn't really known for scoring a lot of touchdowns. But I think he should have a really nice game. I think with Chark likely to be out, he should see a really good target share in this one. Oakland, by no means, can slow down the passing game. So I think there's going to be plenty to go around. I think Didi could easily have seven or eight catches in this one for 100 yards. And if he adds a touchdown to it, it is a monster day. So Didi Westbrook is my wide receiver start of the week. Love that take there. Definitely support that one. And if you got that Minshew Westbrook stack, definitely throw them in there and, and ride them to a championship uh, or at least to to uh, the finals in week 16. My wide receiver isn't a hot take since he's been on fire the last two weeks, but I want to encourage fantasy owners to continue rolling with a Rams wide receiver despite a tough matchup against Dallas, and that's Robert Woods. While Dallas is ninth against the wideout position this year, Woods has actually become the number one receiving option for Jared Goff and this Rams offense trying to adjust their play calling as they fight to make the playoffs. Last week against Seattle, the Rams went with a different look compared to usual. A lot of two tight end sets and Cooper Cup was on the field for less than 30% of snaps. Brandon Cooks, who many said for a while was the Rams top receiver, is banged up and barely seeing any volume. While I believe the game plan for Seattle was a one-off thing, We've seen Woods torch Pittsburgh and Baltimore defenses over the last couple weeks, so you love that. And Woods is second only to Michael Thomas in terms of yards after the catch this year and is leading the league in average yards after catch with seven. The Rams and the Cowboys are both fighting to make the playoffs, so I expect them to pull all the stops to win this game. The Rams need Woods to win on the road. Whether they do or not, Woods will be in that 6-10 to 10 reception range, add in some touchdown potential, and he's a locked-in start for me this week. Really like that pick. Ever since Woods missed that game due to a personal issue, he's really bounced back strong. So nice to see Woods at least doing well on the field. And obviously we hope everything is going all right for him off the field. So uh, I really like that pick, that, that motion of confidence in Woods and in that Rams offense that's really coming on strong. So moving forward to the tight end position, my tight end start of the week does have a bit of a caveat, but it's Greg Olson. Um, if Greg Olson does not play due to his concussion, I easily pivot that Greg Olson start of the week to Ian Thomas, who's his backup. The Panthers play the Seattle Seahawks, who are 31st against the tight end position. They were just torched by Tyler Higbee last week. And the, the Seahawks are giving up 16 points a game to the tight end. Greg Olson has had really solid games this year. The four games prior to his injury, he was seeing seven targets a game, which at the tight end position is really good volume. That, along with this matchup, I think could lead to a really good game and possible touchdown upside. Uh, and then if Olsen misses, I know he did practice today, so it does seem like he's trending in the right direction uh, after that concussion. But if he does miss, Ian Thomas is sliding into that role. Ian Thomas last week filling in for Olsen had 10 targets. So it does look like Ian Thomas is assuming that full tight end role as a pass catcher. It's not something that they're kind of um, filling with multiple different guys. Ian Thomas is clearly um, the substitute for Olsen and, and is doing everything that they expect Olsen to do. So if Olsen does miss, pivot to Thomas, who is probably on your waiver wire. But uh, if all holds to, to form like, it, like it's looking right now, Olsen should play in this game. And I think he's a great start against Seattle. That Panthers tight end position is certainly one with value. I like it regardless of who's there. Now I have a quick question for you. What do TJ Hawkinson, Rhett Ellison, OJ Howard, Ross Dwelly, and Tyler Higby have in common? Those are all tight ends. Oh, I love this one. I love this one because I know the answer. They roasted the Cardinals like a freaking marshmallow. <laughs> Each and every one of those players have torched the Arizona Cardinals defense and scored at least one touchdown in their game against them. And you know who plays tight end against the Cardinals this week? It's David Njoku from the Cleveland Browns. He's returning from IR. He got the rust off against Cincinnati last week. And this man is going to score at least one touchdown this week, maybe more. Look, I'm not going to put the, you know, I, I'm not going to say he's a, a, you know, tight end one or going to be the, the top one of the week. But if you're in need of a tight end, maybe you're looking to stream a guy, start Njoku with upside and confidence as the Browns offense has been looking a little bit more solid uh, since Kareem Hunt has been back on the field for them. Lock in Njoku. I, I, I love it this week. I know it's a, kind of a gross pick, but he's got me excited as a Browns fan and I think he'll eat. Love that pick, Steph. Love that pick. So let's 
Let's go ahead and move on from our starts of the week into our deep shots. And this is a reminder with our deep shots segment. These aren't guys that we're necessarily putting all of our um, stake in for this game. This is kind of a desperation play. Maybe you have a flex who's hurt. Maybe you were hit by the injury bug this past week. Maybe there's a surprise inactive prior to kickoff. These are guys that are probably uh, available on your waiver wire. They're, They're normally very minimally owned across the board. And guys that we see stepping in and having really, really good games. Some of our deep shots in the past have been guys like Russell Gage, who who had 16 points that week. Zach Paschal was one last week who had 20. And Steph hit on Darius Slayton last yes, week sir. with 32 points. So these are guys that these are guys you're probably not planning on rolling out. But if you find yourself in a really tough situation, we're at playoff time. We need upside. These are guys that you can go out and find. Pick them up, put them in your lineup, and hope for a good game. So with that, Steph, I'll let you kick it off. Who's your first deep shot of the week? So my first deep shot, surprising to me, he's rostered in 71% of ESPN leagues. I just checked it out while you were introing us there, and, and that actually blew my mind because the guy that I'm throwing out there as my running back deep shot is Tariq Cohen for the Chicago Bears. He's against Green Bay on the road. And Green Bay has been extremely beatable on the ground. They're 27th against running backs. There's a consistent reception floor in PPR leagues with Tariq Cohen, who's averaging five receptions per game. And Mitch Trubisky, he looks to be playing at peak levels over the last couple weeks. I, I think this will be a competitive game. And I think Cohen could, you know, take a screen pass to the house in this game. I think the Bears will need him to compete and keep up with the Green Bay offense. Since his bye week in week six, he's averaging 10 points per game in PPR leagues. I would absolutely throw Cohen in there in a pinch, especially over a guy like, you know, Patrick Laird or, or Chris Thompson. So that's my first one, Tariq Cohen. I think he'll have a big game. I like it. We've definitely seen Cohen's upside in the past. And he he's had a couple good games this year, but he's a guy that if Trubisky starts locking in on him and they're playing from behind, we could easily see him take a long ball or two to the house. So love Cohen. He can get the ball in his hands anywhere on the field, and he's always a threat to score. Um, so my first deep shot of the week is – O.J. Howard for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And this is a guy who most people have as probably their biggest bust of the season because he's been absolutely awful. He's the 35th-ranked tight end on the year, and that was coming into the year ranked in the top five most most places. So he, he has severely underperformed. They're playing Detroit, who's 17th against the tight end, which, which isn't necessarily terrible. That's the middle of the pack, but... O.J. Howard, in his last two games, has five catches for 61 yards on six targets, four catches for 73 yards on five targets. So that's two pretty decent games back-to-back. Mike Evans is now out. Tampa Bay is second in the NFL in pass yards a game, and Detroit is 30th in pass yards allowed a game. So I know Bruce Arians doesn't use the tight end much in his system, and that could be part of the reason we're seeing Howard phased out there a little bit. But with Mike Evans out, I, I think maybe Brashad Perriman steps up a little bit. Maybe Justin Watson steps up a little bit for Tampa. But I think O.J. Howard is going to see a lot more of a target share from Jameis Winston. He's only 45% owned. That that ownership percentage has just gone down and down and down with each week that he's underperformed. So if he's still out there, I, I think there's a lot of owners right now that aren't willing to touch him because they've been burned so bad. So I'd pick up O.J. Howard, and if you really need a tight end, I think he's a fine play this week. I agree with you 100%. In one of my leagues, we continue to play for high point week after week, even after you're out of the playoffs. And so I'm grabbing OJ Howard and I'm plugging him in just as an upside play. I love that deep shot there and he's available in most leagues. And you mentioned my second start of the week here. You know, we've been taking deep shots on guys that are kind of handcuffs to star wide receivers. You know, we had Russell Gage for Julio Jones and and he's been great. I think he'll do well this week. We've had Zach Pascal, who's done great in T.Y. Hilton's absence. And now I'm going to throw out, in, in Mike Evans' absence, Brashad Perriman. You know, I, I think both Howard and Perriman could have really, really good games. Over the last two games, Perriman's been on the rise, scoring 14 and 16 points in PPR leagues. He has six and five targets his last two weeks, and both weeks going over 70 yards. This week, he plays one of the worst defenses in the league, like you mentioned, against Detroit. And we know Jameis Winston and Bruce Arians, they love to air it out. If there are one or two bomb touchdowns in this game, I think one finds its way into Perriman's hands, and I think one could also find its way into Howard's hands. So I like both of these guys. Um, You know, I think Perriman has appeal in the next two weeks as well. 
for, you know, for those of you who have fantasy leagues ending in week 17, he plays against Houston and then Atlanta at home to end the season. So I, I like Harriman rest of season. I know there's not many games left, but now I feel confident as a, a deep shot. If you need him, throw Paraman in there. I love that pick. So, so moving on to my second deep shot, this one, I mean, this one is deep. Oh boy. And I mean, it's like bottom of the ocean deep. <laughs> this, this player is 0.2% owned. Oh no. It's Isaiah Ford. Who? Who I had not heard of until <laughs> until this week, I had not heard of him. Isaiah Are you Ford, people up? <laughs> Isaiah Ford for the Miami Dolphins. They play the Giants this week, who are 26th against the wide receiver position. And Devontae Parker's questionable. Devontae Parker practiced in a limited capacity today. It remains to be seen whether he'll play or not. If Parker is out, I think Ford is a very deep shot and a really good uh, DFS tournament play. Um, last week, Ford had six catches for 92 yards on nine targets. And against the Giants, I expect the Dolphins to have to throw the ball and to be able to throw the ball pretty easily. Uh, I know Alan Hearns is an option there, but Ford actually got more volume than Hearns last week when Parker went out. So, you know, if you if you find yourself in a really desperate situation, maybe it's a really deep league with deep benches, things like that, and you just don't have anyone to play, maybe this is just a DFS pick. But Isaiah Ford is probably the deepest shot that we've had on the show to date. Um, but I'm calling my shot here. Uh, check him out, and, and we'll see what he can do this week. Wow, and I, I thought my Darius Slayton pick was was a you know high risk deep shot, but I think you're going even higher, trying to outdo me here and. You know, if, if Ford does have a great game, we are certainly going to take that victory lap. Uh, so keep your eyes out for that. Now let's switch gears here. Last fantasy segment that we'll talk about. Week 15, team with the most fantasy value. So, you know, we've done this before in terms of games with the most fantasy value. But what we're going to do is really focus on one offense or one team this week that we like. Um, essentially like all the pieces of. We've already talked about them a little bit on the show. To me, there's really only three or four startable pieces on this offense, but I really want to bring these guys up because after this team's turnaround and a huge win against the Raiders last week, the Tennessee Titans are all startable assets playing in the highest over-under game of the week. So we mentioned Ryan Tannehill. He's a start of the week. Absolutely plug him in. Uh, I believe he was QB one or like top five last week, uh, which was fantastic. Derrick Henry was a top five running back last week. I expect him to repeat that. Uh, AJ Brown was the wide receiver one on the week last week, and I expect him to do it again. He's been looking great since Tannehill has gotten there, and you see the rapport continue to be built. Uh, and maybe a desperation tight end stream if you want to plug in Jonu Smith. Uh, and in leagues with kickers, I'll even throw Ryan Suckup out there. Uh, you know, maybe the other pieces aren't fantasy startable uh, in Blazin game and Sharp and Corey Davis. But in this game, they're at home versus the Texans in a game with legitimate AFC South and playoff implications. And the Texans defense is struggling. We just saw the Broncos torch them. And let's look at some of their, their ranks against some of these positions. They're 27th against the quarterback, 28th against the running back. 18th against wide receivers and 22nd against tight end. So it's a juicy matchup for everyone on the Titans. They're getting hot with Tannehill under center. And on the other side of the ball, we know the Texans offense can blow up as well in any game. And, and while they struggled against the Broncos defense, if they do happen to get right, it will only benefit fantasy owners as Tannehill will get more usage. AJ Brown will be relied upon more. And Henry may see an uptick maybe in passing work or goal line opportunity. And Last week against the Raiders, all the Titans' main pieces were top 12 of their position. I think they do it again here in Week 15. Love it. Love that with my Ryan Tannehill start of the week pick. But, yeah, the Titans are hot. Not a hotter team in the NFL right now other than maybe the Baltimore Ravens. So, so moving forward to my team with the most fantasy value, I have the Cleveland Browns against Arizona. We've talked about them a lot today. Let's go. There's a 48-point over-under in this one, very high. Baker Mayfield is a great streaming option. The Cardinals are 32nd against quarterbacks. He was close to my start of the week. 
Um, and then Nick Chubb, I think, is a top five running back play this week. I think Kareem Hunt is a solid RB2. Arizona's 20th against running backs. And then at the receiver position, you have Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, who I think are both top 20 receivers in this game. And your start of the week, David Njoku, if you need a guy at tight end, Arizona's 32nd against the tight end. They've been giving it up each and every week. I think David Njoku is a fine play. I did just read he was limited today in practice with a knee injury. So I think Uh-oh. I think he's fine, uh, but just keep an eye on that one uh, at the tight end spot. But, yeah, the Browns, I think they're going to win this game against Arizona, and I really like a lot of their pieces. You know what's crazy is that for a lot of fantasy owners, you know, let's say they drafted Nick Chubb and then picked up Kareem Hunt as maybe a handcuff uh, before his return to the field. They've been very much rewarded for picking him up. You know, Kareem Hunt's been averaging about RB2 numbers. He averages 14.2 points in PPR leagues. He's been a PPR darling since his return. And honestly, he looks great. He's given the Browns the spark that they've needed uh, because the offense has been struggling through most of the year. So, yeah, I I love that. I love the Browns. And thank you for co-signing my Cleveland Browns this week. Now, let's shift away completely here from fantasy and just talk about some of the takeaways from week 14. We saw a lot of really, really exciting games. The one we got to talk about here and had the most implications in the NFC was the 49ers who came into the Superdome and in an insane shootout and one of the highest scoring games we've seen in a while. It was actually a scoregami for those of you that are interested in that. Fun fact for you. Uh, But man, what a game. That was an absolute blast. And I think everyone was kind of expecting the opposite to occur. Tell me about the scoregami. Is that where it's a score that's never happened before? That's exactly right. That's what was it, forty-eight to forty-six? That's incredible. That's incredible. I don't think anyone, none of the fantasy outlets or football outlets all week, really thought this was going to be a shootout like that. An incredible game to watch. A fun game to watch. I remember watching that first half and thinking that Drew Brees was going to throw for ten touchdowns in this game. <laughs> but but really, what a game! The 49ers proved they're back on top in the NFC. I think the NFC playoffs are going to be the wild, wild west. There are so many good teams. It obviously doesn't matter if you're on the road because the 49ers went into the Superdome and won this one. The Saints did lose Marcus Davenport uh, from their D-line to IR to an injury and also Sheldon Rankin. So I think that really hurts their defense moving forward. I'm a little bit concerned about that. But, yeah, this one was fun. And if I'm not mistaken, that was the highest points scored this season. And and for the 49ers, man, that was a statement game, especially coming off a really difficult stretch. They played uh, the Ravens uh, prior to playing the Saints. They played some other teams. I'm blanking here on who those were. Alex, do you happen to have uh, the Niners schedule pulled up? I do, yeah. In Week 10, they played Seattle, and that kind of started this rough stretch. They had an easier game there in Arizona at home, but then they played the Packers then at Baltimore, then at the Saints. They still have Atlanta, the Rams, and the Seahawks on the schedule for the season. So things are not getting any easier for the 49ers. Yeah, we talked about how close they are to actually being a you know on the outside looking in, even with one of the best records. And you know if they win, uh, you know the Saints game, you know they're looking like the number one seed. But if they lose, they're actually looking like a wild card weekend on the road. So certainly, yeah, big game for the Niners. Kind of saved their season a little bit, or at least their their postseason. Give them a much easier road, but certainly they're going to have a lot still to prove as we go through the rest of this season. Another game that was on the AFC side, our Super Bowl favorite Ravens came into Buffalo and beat the Bills 24-17. I think that's kind of what we expected. I threw out a hot take on last week's podcast. I said they were going to beat – I said the Ravens were going to absolutely beat the brakes off the Bills – but they ended up holding on. It was a closer game than I think a lot of people thought. Uh, Alex, what do you think this does for the Bills side? It's so funny to hear you say that because I had a really good uh, piece of commentary on Lamar Jackson as well. You said we expected the Ravens to beat the brakes off the Bills. This was a six-point spread. The Ravens covered the spread on the road. They beat a really strong Bills team in Buffalo by seven points. And we think they underperformed and had kind of like a so-so game. <laughs> and kind of to that same point, living in Baltimore, there's there's a lot of people that were talking about, oh, I can't believe Lamar Jackson just had a decent game, but it was still good to win the game. Lamar Jackson had three touchdowns in this game and ran for 40 yards. So 
it's almost like he has reset the expectations we have for him and the Ravens. We're seeing them do something that no team has ever done before, and it's complete dominance. So it's funny to see them win a really, really good road game against a strong opponent by seven points, and it it just be kind of like a casual thing. So I think the Ravens are still far and away the favorite. Uh, They have the Jets this week. If they win that one, they're getting pretty close there to wrapping up that uh, one seed in the AFC. And, yeah, they're still the team to beat, and Lamar Jackson is by far the MVP favorite. And I do have a small conspiracy theory that I want to throw out there. Lamar Jackson purposely didn't run for 63 yards in that game so that he could get the rushing yards for a QB record at home at the bank. And I think that's going to be an extremely exciting game uh, this week when they play the Jets on Thursday night. Uh, certainly one that could be a smackdown. I think it will be. And and uh, there's been some turmoil on the Jets. But let's talk about some of the other games from week 14. Uh, we saw the Steelers beat the Cardinals. So the Steelers are still in the wild card hunt. Unfortunately, I, I hate watching that offense. Alex, anything you want to say about Steelers Cardinals? They just keep grinding out wins. I don't think anyone expected this from Pittsburgh. I, It's incredible. Duck Hodges at quarterback. I, I just wonder if they've got some challenges ahead when they finally need to put up some points, but their defense is incredible. They're first in the NFL in sacks, second in turnovers forced, fifth in yards allowed and sixth in points allowed. So We're seeing them do some incredible things defensively. They're doing just enough on offense to win games. We'll see what happens. They should get Juju and James Conner back soon. They play Buffalo this upcoming week. That's going to be a really big one uh, with two teams that are slated in wildcard spots right now. So, yeah, not much more to be said about Pittsburgh. They're doing what they've done all season, and it's just grind out wins, and you kind of wonder how they're 8-5. and Yeah, update on the Juju and James Conner situation. Both of them did practice in full today, so they should be good to go this week. That should certainly help that Steelers offense. Uh, And the defense has just been getting it done, both in the pass and on the ground. So another game that I don't think anyone saw coming was the Broncos going into Houston and beating the brakes off the Texans. This game was like already in garbage time before halftime. I believe it was 31-3 to at half. You know, was this just a Drew Locke breakout game? Was this just the Texans falling asleep? That's kind of what I think it was. But, Alex, what's your takeaway from this? I was absolutely shocked by this one. This one was um, surprising. I I don't know if Drew Locke's the real deal, but he sure looked like it in this one. It remains to be seen. We'll see how he plays for the rest of the season. My biggest takeaway is that Houston, after beating the Patriots, might actually have some problems. It just shows how behind the Ravens in the AFC, it's kind of wide open. Um, so the Titans – could be the favorite in the AFC South now. And the Titans and the Texans play two of these last three weeks in the regular season. So I think we're going to learn a lot about both teams. And that AFC South is wide open. Yeah, speaking of the Titans, they looked very strong against Oakland. Not really much we can say here. Sorry, Raiders. Uh, Any of you Raiders players that are listening, I think they're out of the playoffs. And, man, the Titans are as hot as can be right now. Absolutely. They've won four straight. Uh, six of seven in the games that Tannehill has started. They have full control over their destiny, like I just said, with with the games against Houston and two of these these last three games in the regular season. Tannehill really does look like the long-term answer in Tennessee. He's playing great in that system. His career has been totally rejuvenated. He looks confident. He looks comfortable. Uh, They have a dominant running game, a good defense, young athletic wide receivers. Oakland looks like they're going to be done this season. They do have a good rookie class. They had Cleveland Farrell, Max Crosby on that D-line. Hunter Renfro obviously played a pretty good role for them this year. Josh Jacobs has been fantastic. And Jonathan Abram, if you watched Hard Knocks, he was kind of one of the premier stories as far as the rookie class. And he was knocked out in the first game. And he's going to be a really good safety in this league. They have a couple other role players from that rookie class that got time this year. So I think the Raiders' future is looking up. But wow, the Titans look good. And I think they could actually make some noise here in the AFC. Yeah, it's crazy. This whole thing kind of started off when we saw them upset the Chiefs in Nashville. Speaking of the Chiefs, man... They looked great. They went into Foxborough. I think this is one of the only times over the last decade that a team has actually come into Foxborough and beat Belichick and Brady. Good for the Chiefs, you know, for taking that game. And they looked fantastic. And on the other side of the ball, I think the Patriots looked a little suspect. It was kind of, you know, the the Patriots giving up a bunch and then the Chiefs taking that and and running with it. Um, You know, this is 10 years straight that the Patriots have had a bye and now they're feeling a little bit shaky. They're, you know, Buffalo's only one game behind them in the AFC, in the AFC East. So, I mean, the Patriots, I think, are sweating a little bit. And, you know, we've been through this 
this whole rigmarole before. We know the Patriots always struggle at this point in the year, and then they turn it back on. Um, you know, maybe this is the time where we start to see them decline. They they certainly didn't look like based on their body language and some of the play calling that they were responding very well to some of that adversity. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it caught them a little bit off guard and um, the, the Patriots do have some issues and it's pretty obvious. Uh, we say it's going to be the end of the Patriots dynasty every year though. And, and watch here in a few weeks, there's a pretty good chance that we're going to be talking about the Patriots on their way to the Super Bowl. So with New England and with Belichick and Brady, you always have to kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. They're still very likely to get a first round bye. They might have to go through Baltimore and the AFC, but I think they do find a way to piece it together and be competitive. But it's tough to see. I mean, even losing that game at home, it really feels like the Patriots are kind of number three right now in the AFC to the Ravens and the Chiefs. I know a couple weeks ago we actually talked about the Chiefs maybe not being Super Bowl contenders because of their defense. I will say their defense has improved pretty drastically over the past few games. So shout out to them kind of figuring some things out. They're, I mean, they're actually pretty good in terms of, of yards per game allowed. They're 12th in the league in, in passing yards per game allowed. And when you think about how the Chiefs play, they like to jump up on teams. So the fact that they're still limiting other passing games is pretty impressive. Their, their run defense still has some things to work on, but... I think the Chiefs are turning into contenders, and with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, uh, you know that they're always going to be a threat to to make a really deep run. One more quick note on the Patriots. You know, if they had some tough matchups to end the year, yeah, I'd feel a certain type of way about them. But, I mean, they played the Bengals this Sunday. Then they played the Bills. I think that'll be a very interesting game for that division and just for, for playoff hopes. But then they play the Dolphins. So, you know, two pretty easy matchups for the Patriots here to end up their season. Of course, they're a lock for the playoffs. I think they're a lock for the AFC East. Uh, but still, nonetheless, it'll be pretty interesting to see how this pans out. Who knows? Maybe a team upsets them, um, you know, after kind of getting a little rattled uh, last Sunday. Anything else from week 14 that we need to hit on? We could maybe talk about Rams uh, beating Seattle or the Buccaneers beating the Colts. Uh, any of those, though, that you really want to d- dive into? Don't really want to talk about the Colts game. It looks like they're done this season. I'm sorry. Uh, just some injuries hurt the Colts. Um, so, so it remains to be seen what's going to happen with them. I think they're going to have a decision to make at quarterback. Jacoby Brissett um, is under contract, but there's going to be some good options next season that could be available, like Teddy Bridgewater, Cam Newton, Nick Foles, even Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston. You never know. We saw what happened when Tannehill switched teams in a, in a new scheme. So maybe one of those guys, even a Dalton or a Winston or someone like that who has struggled a little bit, could step up in a different system. So uh, not much more to say about them. I think the Rams looked great against Seattle. They could be back. The receivers are finally healthy. Gurley is looking like Gurley. The defense is playing better. They are one game behind the Vikings and two behind Seattle with three weeks left. I don't know if that's going to be enough for them to get to the wild card spot and make a playoff run. Steph, what do you think? Do you think they have any shot of making the playoffs? I think they have a shot, but they're going to be fighting tooth and nail to get there, and it's going to be you know pretty tough road for them. And one thing that you mentioned here is that Jameis Winston could be an option for the Colts. And I know a lot of people were, were talking about this. Uh, I think some of the bigger outlets were uh, pushing this out there. But in terms of career stats, based on where Peyton Manning was in his career compared to Jameis Winston, their stats are actually almost identical. You know, we, It's so funny because we think about Jameis Winston as being a you know turnover machine, and he definitely is. But Peyton Manning, one of the all-time greats, had the same stats at, I believe, six years or five years into their career. It's just crazy. Yeah, at age 25, I know exactly what you're talking about. At their age 25 season through 13 games, they both had 26 touchdowns and 23 interceptions, 4,100 pass yards, six wins, a QB rating of 84, and Jameis's completion percentage is 61%, where Manning's was 62 So pretty identical numbers. I think Jameis Winston definitely has kind of gotten the short end of the stick. He He's had a really rough go uh, to start out his career. I, I think there's still a potential for him to really turn it around, though. I wouldn't quite close the book on Jameis Winston yet. I think he deserves another shot, maybe with another team as a starter to kind of get a fresh look and a fresh system. But, yeah, that's it's very interesting. I, as a Colts fan, I think it would certainly um, – increase my heart rate every Sunday, (laughs) but it could be fun. So let's move forward. Let's look ahead to this weekend. 
Games to look forward to. Week 15. Alex, I'll let you go first on this one. Give me the one that you're most excited to watch. The one I'm most excited to watch because it's two teams that, in terms of record, aren't at the top right now. But it's two teams that I think really are possibly two of the most talented in the NFL. It's the Rams at the Cowboys. These are two teams that desperately need this win. We just talked about the Rams. They need to win out and get some help to make the playoffs. They're coming on really strong. And then we've got the Cowboys, who have been really struggling lately, somehow still have a chance in the NFC East. It's going to come down to a showdown between between them and Philly. So they can't really afford to lose this one. So Rams at Cowboys is going to be an absolute battle to the end. The Rams are one-point favorites on the road. It's a 49-point over-under, so Vegas is expecting points in this one. Again, it feels like Jason Garrett is coaching for his job, and he needs to not only make the playoffs, but he needs to make some noise in the playoffs. If the Cowboys drop this one, I think it's continuing to just close the book on the Jason Garrett era and I honestly think the Rams are going to go into Dallas and win the Rams look a lot better right now it seems like they're kind of hitting their stride where the Cowboys are uh, struggling a bit so I have the Rams to win I have the Rams to cover that one point spread what do you think I'm with you 100% the Cowboys just lost two really tough games one to the Bills who came into Dallas and then going on the road against the Bears we saw them get exposed on national television on Thursday night football. So yeah, I, I, I think you're spot on there. I think the Rams are on the upswing. The the Cowboys are on the downswing. I think that's kind of the rest of the season goes for both of them. It'll be interesting to see how things pan out for the Rams though, in terms of, of their playoff hopes. One of the other games that I'm looking forward to here is one that we alluded to. We've mentioned it a couple times so far, but it's the Texans who go to Nashville and they play again in week 17. So these teams, you know, they're getting locked in for two matchups essentially in a row there's one week in between but uh the titans are three-point favorites at home i think if this game was at houston the texans would be three-point favorites at home uh, and it's the highest over under on the week you know i love the titans i've talked about them already as one of the the you know best offenses or you know highest value uh fantasy teams this week and you know yeah i expect this one to be a shootout i expect this one to be actually pretty fun to watch in a game that's been historically not so much fun um so i'm looking forward to this game a lot i know you are as well yeah it's going to be great not too much to add to what you just said and what we've talked about on the pod that one's going to be the shootout of the week that one's going to have the most fireworks and i think it's going to be a really awesome sunday a lot of good games on the docket it looks like the last one on my list was the the bills and the steelers which isn't going to be a super exciting game that's the one that has the 36 and a half point over under it's a sunday night football game that's going to be a defensive battle pittsburgh is a two point favorite in this one um, at home so on sunday night it's going to be old school but i think it could be fun to watch uh, some really gritty football and that's going to have a lot to say about who the wildcard teams are in the afc so be sure to check that one out as well yeah, the Steelers are two-point home favorites. I think Vegas is right on this one. I think it will be close, but the fact that it's at Heinz Field, Juju and James Conner are back, I think the Steelers take this one uh, and puts the Bills you know, kind of in the hot seat in the AFC. And one more game I want to talk about here before we move on. The Bears go to Green Bay, and I think this is an NFC North showdown. I, I actually looking forward to this game a lot, especially with the trajectory that the Bears have been on lately, taking some nice wins. Trubisky looks a lot better. Uh, it's the second lowest over-under, so Vegas expects this to be pretty low scoring. I would actually take the over on this one. I think this one will be fun to watch, uh, assuming the Bears are actually going to be firing on cylinder on all cylinders like they have been the last few weeks. I agree. This one should be fun. I think it's going to be really interesting to see if Trubisky can stay as hot as he was last week. But the Bears, I mean, we talked about uh, the Rams a little bit earlier. The Bears are another team that haven't been quite eliminated from the playoffs yet mathematically, and they need to win out and get some help. So definitely a must win. Uh, It's going to be a good one. So uh, with that, Steph, I think that wraps up the games that we're looking forward to this week. Um, Anything else to add? Yeah, last thing before we sign off here. You know, this is kind of a weird week where a lot of the top teams play some of the bottom teams. And, you know, we know how the NFL is. There's always upset potential any given week. You know, that's why they say any given Sunday. If you had to pick one or two of the top teams that'll take an L here, and I'll go through them real quick, and then you give me your take. We have the Ravens who play the Jets on Thursday Night Football. We have the Patriots playing the Bengals Sunday at 1. 
We have the 49ers who are playing the Falcons. Vikings play the Chargers, Seahawks play the Panthers, and Chiefs play the Broncos. So all of those are pretty big spreads there. Um, another one we could add on there is the Saints uh, against the Colts. If you had to pick one or two there, uh, just shoot your shot right now. Who do you think is taking the L and getting upset this week? I think the Chargers could beat the Vikings. The Vikings have really struggled on the road this season. All four of their losses are in road games. The Chargers aren't a bad team. They're coming on strong. Their offensive weapons are healthy. Rivers had a good game last week. They do have some problems on defense, but if the Vikings fall behind in this one and, and are having to try to pass and come from behind, I think they could could have an issue. This one, like I said, is in L.A. Uh, Minnesota is a two-and-a-half-point road favorite. I think the Chargers could squeak that one out. So, Steph, passing it back over to you, uh, which upset do you like? Which game are you looking at and, and which, which uh, top – top team should be on upset alert yeah i'm definitely with you on the vikings and the chargers you know the chargers are just so up and down we never know what to expect from them certainly if this is a week if they pop off uh, i'm a little bit scared for the vikings here who are kind of fighting uh, for that wild card spot but another one i throw, want to throw out there it's kind of a hot take and maybe i'm just biased because i just did the you know Cor- Cortland sutton film review and drew lock has been on fire lately but <laughs> I actually think the Chiefs need to watch their backs a little bit. I think the Broncos could be a very interesting team. We just saw them destroy the Texans, who have a you know pretty explosive offense and a pretty meh defense. And I feel like the Chiefs are kind of in that same way. Certainly a step higher than I would say the Texans are, but they have an explosive offense, but their defense has been a little bit suspect. And you know if the Chiefs aren't watching their back, I'm sure now you know they saw what happened last week, and I'm sure they're looking at that film and they're. They're probably going to be ready, but if I had to pick one just to throw out there, uh, I do think the Broncos could upset the Chiefs this week, which would be pretty interesting. Absolutely. I love that pick, Steph. We'll see if Drew Locke can continue his um, his emergence as a pro quarterback, and we'll keep an eye out for those upsets. And that wraps up our show. Thank you all so much for listening. Really appreciate it. If you do like what you're hearing here on this podcast, uh, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter again, at Double Move Sport. Subscribe to us to, on YouTube, at Double Move Sports on there. And thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.